0: Scripture reading is from 1 John, chapter 3. Well, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Let's pray together again. We thank you for your word. We know that it is truth and it gives life. And so, Father, today we ask, help me to speak uh, clearly, help me to speak truly, and would your Holy Spirit speak to all of us. In Christ's name, amen. This summer, we're studying the book of 1 John, and a central theme in the book of 1 John is the theme of love. The word love appears over 25 times in this book. When you read 1 John, you hear the apostle again and again and again tell us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we must love each other. In today's passage, the apostle begins to define his terms. He tells us what it is, what it means for us to love. And uh, so, the question that I basically want to ask about today's passage is what is it that we need if we're going to love each other the way God wants us to? What, what do we need? in order to keep these commandments, to love the way God wants us to. And so the first thing I'd, I'd point out that we need is uh, we need, need this, your heart. Your heart has to be in the right place. Uh, first, first Peter 1, verse 22 says, love one another deeply from the heart. And what that means is that that genuine love is sincere. Gen- genuine love, it involves a sincere um, respect for other people, a sincere desire for their well-being. True love will have a sincere delight in seeing other people flourish in in their happiness, their their joy. Uh, True love will have a sincere patience with others as they they struggle to grow and a a sincere willingness to forgive people when they hurt us. So there's a sincerity that, that is part of real love. True love comes from the heart. Now John John makes that point in in a kind of a, a, an unusual way he makes that point in verses 11 through 15. Verse 11 he says for this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another and then he says do not be like Cain. Now in case you don't know Cain is sort of the the first arch villain in the whole Bible. It, back in in Genesis chapter four, Adam and Eve begin their family by having two sons. Their first son is named Cain. Then their second son is named Abel. And these two little guys grow up together. And then one day, Cain murders his baby brother. He murders his younger brother Abel. And, and if you read it, it's just a, it's it's an act of violent, premeditated, cold-blooded murder. And 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 so. Um, john says here we should love one another and we say john what do you mean by that and he says don't be like cain don't be like cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother and it seems like he's kind of setting the bar pretty low right i mean at least it does to me i'm i'm reading this i'm thinking Wow, well, this is this loving other people this is gonna be easy right if all it takes to love is just don't be like it don't murder anybody that's not that hard because I don't know about you, but I have not murdered anyone recently, so this is not going to be that hard for me, right? But then, in the middle of verse 12, John says this, and why did he murder him? Why did he do this? And here's where we realize that John, when he brings up Cain, he's not focusing on Cain's actions. He's focusing on Cain's motive, right? He's, he's wanting us to ask, hey, when this man who did this horrible act, what was going on in his heart? What's going on in his heart? And so if you've ever heard the story from Genesis 4, there, there, it does explain what was going on in his heart. So it kind of went down like this. Abel, the younger brother, had a, a much closer relationship with God than his big brother Cain did, all right? He was just closer to God than Cain, and that really got under Cain's skin. It just annoyed him that his little brother knew God better than him, he, and, and so he began to develop this resentment toward his, toward his brother Abel, and this resentment, it kind of morphed into a, a form of envy, and that envy then grew into a kind of grudge, and then that grudge just hardened into outright hatred, and the hatred is what gave birth to the murder. So so in other words, long, long before Cain committed murder with his hands, the seeds of murder had already been planted in his heart. You see, the the action began in the heart. This is why John says something that sounds outrageous. He says in verse 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. I read that like, John, what are you talking about, a murderer, just because I hate somebody? And here's what he means. He doesn't mean that everyone who harbors a grudge against someone else is guilty of first-degree homicide and they should be locked up in prison. That's not what he means. He means everyone, everyone, everyone who harbors a grudge, everyone who nurses resentment against others, everyone who holds on to feelings of bitterness and ill will toward those people that watch that news station. Right? He says the seeds of murder are planted in their heart. And so what he's, he's wanting us to see is the true true love. It's, it's not just that you're doing the right things on the outside. I haven't killed anyone this week. No. He says true love. It's it, it has to come from the right kind of heart. It begins here. You see, it's, it's, here's what I've learned. It's possible, it's possible to be doing the right actions, but not, not from the right heart. Is, isn't that the case? I don't know if you've... Uh, um, you remember the tin man... From the Wizard of Oz remember the Tin Man he's kind of this some some kind of robot that they they put him out in the forest to like chop down trees uh for people and 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 if you think about the Tin Man he's out there all day long chopping down trees he's serving humanity right he's he's providing lumber so people can build houses he's providing uh fuel for their fire to keep their children warm at night so uh, there he is the, the Tin Man every day out there serving people serving others serving others serving others but what was the Tin Man's problem he had no heart in other words, he could serve people, but he had no genuine capacity to love anyone. And let me just tell you, I have, I have been involved in um, church and ministry work. This has been my main focus my entire adult life, and here's what I've learned. You can be actively involved in ministry. You can be in full-time ordained ministry. You can be serving others, serving the church, serving the Lord, and not loving, not not from the heart. That's why I always wondered what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I give all my possessions away to the poor but have not love, I'm nothing. And I, I, I read that. I used to think, how could you give all your possessions? That, isn't that the definition of love? And he's saying, no, love has to come from the heart. There's got, It's got to be right in here. So what does it mean to be loving from the heart? I don't I can't think of any better explanation of that in any human literature than what, the, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. Here's what he, you know what love is? He said this. Love is patient. It's not quick to jump with a criticism of somebody who's not there yet. Love, love is kind. Love doesn't envy, it doesn't resent somebody who has a blessing God didn't give you. It doesn't boast, it's not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Imagine that, never speaking bad about anyone. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Forgiven. Love, it says, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. You know how sometimes when you you, you hear some news about somebody that fell into sin, there's that little secret, oh, I'm going to enjoy hearing about this. That's not loving. Love, it says, always protects, always trusts, always hopes. What does that mean that it always trusts and always hopes? It just, I think that means that love just, love consistently puts the best spin on other people's actions and words. Somebody walks by you and s- doesn't say hello. Lo- uh, you know, love does not say, oh man, she's just so stuck up. She's probably a racist. That's why she didn't say hi to me. No, 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 no. Love puts the best spin on it. It says, oh man, I bet she's having a rough day. That's probably why she didn't say hello. Let's love, right? Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So that's what, it, that's what it looks like to have a loving heart. And John says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. From the heart, we love each other. So what do we need to to, to love the way that God wants us to? So first thing is you need to have the right kind of heart, okay? Second thing, John says, is, is you need to have the right kind of hands. So I, I, I guess I would put it this way. It doesn't really matter how pure and warm your feelings are towards someone else if your hands don't help them right when they're they're in need so let's say for example let's say for example we decide to have a church outing and we all decide let's go ride the new ferry together have you ridden the ferry it's so much fun doesn't cost much money you get to go down the river so let's say we all go out we say we're going to go on the ferry and while we're riding along i'm going to pick on paul rickert today let's let's say paul you know paul is always fooling around he's he's never behaving himself and so he he falls off the boat into the water there he is down in the water. He looks up at us. He sees that I am standing right next to the life preserver. I mean, it's right here. Paul looks up at me and says, Help! And I look down at Paul and I say, Paul, I love you, man. I love you. I, I just want you to know, Paul, you and your wife, Linda, you're such good people. I have such a warm feeling for you. I pray for you every day. I really, really love you. I just want you to know my heart, Paul. I want you to know my heart. What would Paul, listen, what would Paul say, his dying words? He would say, Pastor, I don't care about your heart right now. I care about your hands. I want you to take your hands, grab the life preserver, and throw it to me. See, Love, real love, it's not. It has to be in the heart, right? Otherwise, it's fake. It's, it's, uh, it's hypocrisy. But it can't only be the heart. It's got to involve your hands. When someone's in need, you have to help them. When someone's hungry, you have to feed them. When someone's poor, you have to clothe them. And so John says this, starting at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So real love, it always, it, it, it maybe it starts in the heart, but it spreads to the hands. It expresses itself in actions. You, you would put it this way, real, real love gives. Um, Amy Carmichael. Um, Amy Carmichael was an outstanding poet, but she was also a woman who was a missionary, late 1800s, early uh, 1900s in India. She lived among the poorest of the poor and she spent her entire adult life rescuing girls from the sex trade, bringing them into her home and raising these girls as her own daughters. And here's what she said. You can always give without loving. But you can never love without giving. Love always, it always leads to action, to giving. James said the same thing, James 2. He said this, What what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, in the same way, uh, he said, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So real love will always lead to action. So just a question for you to think about, what, um, what are some of your actions that demonstrate the love of God for others. Some of you, uh, maybe you from time to time you invite somebody into your home for a meal. John would say, That's what I'm talking about. Or some of you, I know people in this church, will will bring will offer rides to people who have mobility issues and bring them to church on a Sunday morning. John would say, That's what I'm talking about. Uh, there are others of, of you who, if you know, if we have the whole helps ministry. Somebody's moving to another apartment, or they need to paint an apartment. you're like, I'm here. I am. I got my dirty clothes on. I'm ready to help. That John would say, that's what I'm help. That's what I'm talking about. And and, and many of you, I wonder if if do you give? There are serious needs in this world. And it, you know there are some there are some outstanding agencies that will link you with Christian children who live in deep poverty in other parts of the world. And just giving a little bit every month, that kid goes to school. Get, that kid gets a warm lunch every day. Maybe you're doing something like that. John would say, "Now that's what I'm talking about. What what are you doing with your hands to express the love of Christ? It's not just. It has to be from the heart." It could, it could it, you could be doing the actions and it's not love because in your heart you're like, I'm so good. You're, you're proud. or you are looking down on people? It's got to be the heart. It also has, has to be the hands. So what do we need? To love. John keeps telling us. Love each other. Love each other. love. We need heart. We need hands. And one final thing. And here's where we just have to be honest with each other. We need healing. I mean, we need deep spiritual forgiveness and cleansing and transformation we need we need healing you see here's the problem when 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 you uh, when you study first john and you read about the way we're supposed to be be loving if if, if you're honest with yourself at all you're going to realize that none none of us none of us consistently love other people the way we ought to none of us do Verse 19 says, this is how we know we belong to the truth, how we set our heart, hearts at rest in God's presence. You know, we, we set our hearts at rest in God's presence how? By just saying, God, here I am. I'm loving people the way you want. Look at my heart. It's so pure. Look at my hands. They're, they're dirty because I'm serving others. In, in other words, if if I'm if I'm not harboring any resentment or anger towards others, and, it, and if I am truly just laying down my life, expending myself entirely to, to help the, the, the needy brothers and sisters, then I can set my heart at rest in God's presence. I can say, well, in the words of verse 14, I can say, now I know that I have passed from life to death. I can say in the words of verse 19, now I know that I belong to the truth. My heart will not condemn me if I love other people the way I'm supposed to. But what about when I don't? What about when you don't? And be honest, you don't always, do you? Yeah, let me, you, know, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to answer out loud, but do you ever struggle? Do you ever struggle with uh, resentment? You ever struggle with unforgiveness, bitterness? We don't like to use the word, do you ever hate? We struggle with this. And, and, and when it comes to giving aid to the poor, let me ask you this, are you giving enough? Really, you needed that other pair of shoes, are you sure? Are you giving enough? You see, you, see, you see the problem with you take this seriously and you really, you really look at what John is saying. Well, listen, here's the words of one. This, I was reading this commentary, all right? The scholar who wrote this book, at this point in the commentary in First John, he just got very personal. Here's, here's what he said. He said this, As I have studied 1 John in depth over the past few years, I have sometimes found myself beginning to wonder whether I have made any progress at all in the Christian life. You ever feel that way? He said that this this book of 1 John is written to give us assurance, but frequently it brings us to see how little like our Lord we really are. So, this is why I say when it comes to loving others the way that God commands, all of us are people who stand in need of forgiveness. And healing. Why? Because we don't do this, right? Sometimes on the inside, we are like Cain. And very rarely do we respond the way we ought to to the needs in the world around us, right? So, uh, This is why I think verse 20, even though it's hard to translate and it's hard to understand, I think verse 20 is a really, really important verse in this passage. Verse 20 of 1 John 3 says this, if our hearts condemn us, in other words, as we look at this topic of love, we realize that we are not loving the way we're supposed to and our hearts start to condemn us, right? If our hearts condemn us, it says, we know that God is God Greater than our hearts. Now, Bible readers for years have wondered what is this he talking about here? I'll take my best stab at it. God is greater than our hearts. Christian, aren't you glad God is greater than your heart? Aren't you? I mean, listen, if your salvation depended on the purity and the goodness and the greatness of your heart, If your heart is anything like mine, you wouldn't have any hope in the world. But your salvation doesn't depend on your heart. It depends on God, on God's mercy, on God's grace in Jesus Christ. And John says, God is greater than your messed up heart. That's good news, right? So when our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Now, again, what does that mean, he knows everything? One commentator says this, God sees and understands us even more deeply than we know ourselves. He knows exactly where we are spiritually. He knows our strengths and weaknesses, our gains and losses, our successes and failures, and God knows that the measure of love we do have is irrefutable evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we have been born of God, that we have crossed over from death to life. So, he says this, so when we face the crisis of a condemning conscience, our hearts are set at rest in the assurance that we can trust ourselves to the mercy of God. God knows everything. Including, God knows 1 John three sixteen, which says, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. God, isn't that something, believer, to know that when God looks at you and He sees all your struggle to forgive, you know, Aunt, Aunt Betty and to be kind to the needs of this person who's always calling... Now you fall short. God just knows Jesus Jesus Christ laid down his life for her. Jesus Christ laid down his life for him, right? What what does that mean? John unpacked that, or he kind of explained that more fully in chapter 2. He said, if anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, when I fail to love people the way I'm supposed to, you know what the Bible calls that? That's a sin. And Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for my sin and for your sin. He laid down His life for us. That's why I, th- I think you could, you could almost say that Jesus, Jesus is kind of like the polar opposite of Cain, right? I mean, Cain, Cain think about it. Cain was an unrighteous man who took life from the righteous. Jesus is the righteous man who gave His life for the unrighteous. He did that for us. We have such a different big brother, don't we, than, than Abel did. Our, our older brother could have condemned us, but he gave his life for us. Isn't that wonderful? That's why, that's why Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 tells us that the blood of Jesus has a lot better things to say than the blood of Abel. Why? Well, if you read in Genesis, the blood of Abel, in some metaphorical way, cried out to God for, for God to condemn Cain for how unloving he had been. We've been unloving, but the blood of Jesus doesn't cry out for our condemnation, does it? It cries out, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. See, that's, that's what love is. John, John says, this is how we know what love is. Verse 16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now, how, real quick, all right, how does that heal? you are talking about how it forgives, but how does the love knowing the love of Christ heal you? Um, All right, let's say you're really, really, really struggling with hard feelings towards someone, and it may not be over something petty. Maybe somebody really hurt you. I don't want to speak lightly about that because there have been some real heavy hurts. I don't know how to explain this, but I know that it works. There's something about bathing in the love of Jesus Christ, just hearing again and again and again, you are a forgiven woman, you are a forgiven man, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven, that somehow one day it's like that just opens the lock. It's a key that opens a lock and you say, I think I can forgive too. Just it brings healing to you. And, and, and the, when we think about the demands of responding to the needs of others with our hands, really giving to help the poor, often, you see, often what, what we struggle with is fear. Like, if I really get involved in helping, we got some needy people in this church, if I really get involved in helping them giving my time, or there's needs in this world, if I really begin to give sacrificially of my resources to help the poor, what's going to happen when I run out and there's nothing left in my schedule, there's nothing left in my bank account? We, there's fear, right? And again, knowing the love of God for you in Christ just heals that fear. Here's how, here's how it does it. You begin to hear again and again, God loves you. Listen, God loves you so much. He gave his son for you. God loves you so much, he gave his son for you. God loves you so much, he gave his son for you. And then one day the light bulb goes on and you say, wow, if he loves me that much, I don't have to be afraid to give. He's going to take care of me, right? And you find yourself healed, able to love in ways you never were before. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but able to forgive, able to to give, able, you just find the love of Christ healing. So to love the way we're supposed to, we, we need the right heart. And if, if something's wrong in your heart today, anger, grudge, resentment, listen, don't leave here without talking with God about it, okay? Deal with it. Begin to say, God, we need to, we need to work on this. We need to love with our hands. And, and I would challenge you to think about, are you actively doing things to give and serve others? But man, aren't you glad we need, we need so, so much more? And that's what Jesus gives us. We, we need a God who will love us even though we're so unloving and so unlovable. And that just heals us. And we, guys, we have that in Jesus. And that's good news. Let's pray. You love the unlovable. You give yourself for those who don't want to give. And we thank you so much for your mercy. We pray that your love would change us into men and women who boldly from the heart love others around us and we ask this in Christ's name.